If I could tell you today uh, or sell you on an idea or a concept or not a piece of land or anything like that, but if I could tell you that uh, I could make your life, I could improve the level of your prosperity, uh, the quality and the quantity of your life, and that maybe I could help you live your best life now, you might think I am some uh, televangelist, some uh, uh, somebody out there, get quick rich kind of thing. But the quality that I'm talking of and quantity and the, the level of prosperity is maybe not measured how we all measure it. And, and uh, the, your best life now may not necessarily mean that it's all healthy and rosy and peachy. But I will say this, that what we are talking about in this series is one of those things that, that, that I think we would all lean in on if we really understood the value and the impact to our lives um, of what it means to hear God's voice, to discern God's voice, and to obey His voice. And that's really what we're talking about here. Whenever you want to look at the cost of this, the opportunity in this, that you got to hear, you got to discern, you got to obey His voice. And that's really there. And I can prove it by Scripture. Scripture says it like this. The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes. And this is in Deuteronomy, not in 1 Kings, where we'll be in a moment. To follow all these statutes. And to fear the Lord our God for our prosperity always and for our preservation as is, is today. Righteousness will be ours. That's that better life today. If we are careful to follow every one of these commands. Now you get lost in the commands and you get lost in, in that. But listen, what he's saying, if we will hear God and that we will listen to God, and that we'll say yes to God, that we will have a better life. That sometimes we create our own messes and then blame God for them. And really, we have created them ourselves. And so learning to hear God is absolutely fundamental. Everything that we do in the Christian faith is based on the fact that you hear God. Okay? You can have a relationship with God. You can hear God. You can obey God. It's not built on rules and tenets and laws and do's and don'ts. It's built on a relationship. And you having a vital relationship and the ability to hear God. Otherwise, if you wait for me week after week to kind of give you the do's and the don'ts of life, all we're doing is behavior modification. And really what I want you to do is to be in a relationship with God so well, so clear that you hear God, discern His voice, and will obey it. Now, I'll tell you this. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be easy. I'm not, I'm not promoting easy street kind of faith here. In fact, sometimes God's voice will be difficult to hear. It will require change. It will require altercation. It will, it will require us to change things about the way we do things, see things, feel about things. Um, but God, God will begin to speak. And hopefully even in the midst of pain, we will hear his voice. Um, I, I, I really appreciate you know, those of you who have been taking the time and, and grabbing one of these on your way in. Now it's all been up. But grabbing one of these on your way in and filling out what is God saying to you throughout the week. These, I've read every one of them. And it's been an encouragement to go through and to just look every week, week after week, how God is speaking. Now sometimes... What we hear is not necessarily, um, uh, well, let me just read one of these to you. It's on, it's, on, it's on one of our God Speaks walls back there. And so just throw it up on the screen, guys. Uh, this is what one of them said. God is saying to me that everything will be okay. And a family will eventually come along 
and want to be my foster family and hopefully my adoptive family. I've been praying for months on end for a family who wants and loves me. Age 15, God spoke to her on October 2nd. Her, I'm assuming him, maybe, I don't know. Wow. You hear voices like that and you, you hear, you, your, your heart's tugged in two different ways. It, your, your heart is tugged because you see pain and loneliness. But your heart is also tugged because you see hope and redemption. And that's maybe your story today. And maybe what you would write on here would be something similar gripping. But here's the thing that I want us to understand. Life brings pain. Okay? And hearing God is not going to erase the pain. But here's what happens with pain. Pain brings pause. Whenever we're going through a season of pain, it will cause us to pause. You're going 100 miles an hour down down through life. All of a sudden, you hit the wall of pain. Physical, emotional, relational, job, whatever that wall is that hits you, you, reality sinks in and you are stopped cold in your tracks. It causes a pause. The pause creates a space for God to speak. That's a good thing. I'm not encouraging pain. I'm not going to say go out and be sadistic about your own life and go go look for pain. But I will say this about pain is that pain will cause us to pause and in the pause God can speak in that moment of pain. C.S. Lewis, a great writer of old, said it like this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Think about that one. We've learned our deepest lessons in life in probably moments of deepest pain. Whether we brought it on ourselves, whether it was handed to us, whether it was something somebody did to us or whatever, it's the pain of life that comes in this fallen, broken world in which we live and we just become shrapnel to, to something. I don't know what it, what it is, but it's that pain that will cause us to pause. And in that pause, God will shout sometimes so loudly to us if we pause long enough. If we wait there long enough. One lady wrote on a napkin and just buried her face in the napkin because she couldn't even vocalize these words. She wrote these words, Lord, I'm drowning in a sea of perplexity. Waves of confusion crash over me. I'm too weak to shout for help. Either quiet the waves or lift me above them. It's too late to learn to swim. You hear in that voice, A quiet desperation. God, I can't. A.T. Pearson says it like this, disappointments are his appointments. I wonder if we could look at our life and see some of the pain in our life and see some of the greatest learning moments in our life. Take your Bibles again. I said 1 Kings. We'll be in 1 Kings. We're going to look at uh, a life that many of y'all may have heard of. As you're finding 1 Kings, I want to tell you about one of the greatest prophets. In fact, I would say, you look at all the prophets out there, Elijah would be one of my favorites. One of my faves. I would love to study him. I've loved, uh, I've even considered to teach an entire series on the life of Elijah and incredible ups and downs of the life of Elijah in a very complex world in which he was a prophet too. 
There's not a book named after him. We don't know that he's written anything, but yet he is recorded among some of the greatest. He appears with, uh, uh, with Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. People thought Jesus was Elijah at times, reincarnated. So there's a lot of, uh, of influence tied up into this man. And he was a prophet during a time when there was a man on the throne named Ahab. Ahab was the king, but Ahab was married to a lady named Jezebel. Now, you may have never heard of Ahab, but I guarantee if I had a show of hands, most of you have heard of Jezebel. You've either been called a Jezebel, or you know a Jezebel, or you don't want to name your children Jezebel, because it's not, it doesn't have great connotations to it. You may not even know the story behind Jezebel. She's this alpha female who is far from God, all right? And so what happens is... God, God does this incredible work through Elijah in chapter 18. You read chapter 18, and if you get to the end of chapter 18, you might want to close the book and just say, hey, man, he lived a great life. But when you start chapter 19, you see Jezebel come on the scene in, 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 in a thunderous roar. And, but, 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 but let's go back to 18 real quickly. In, in chapter 18, an incredible thing happens. In fact, several incredible things happen. One of the things is a showdown between the gods, the gods of Baal and the prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of Baal, and then there's this lone Elijah are standing on the mountain and they're on this mountain and they're looking down in this Jezreel Valley and Jezreel is kind of the capital city at this time in this period of time and so there's lots of people around and they're all watching and one's going to call down fire and you call down fire and I'll call down fire and the prophets of Baal build their altar and they call down fire and they call down fire and they call down fire and nothing happens. It's, uh, Elijah goes over here. He builds his altar. He puts water on the altar. He calls down fire and fire consumes it all. It's an incredible story. Great move of faith. Great man of prayer. There's also in the same chapter, he prays that God would end a drought. God ends a drought. Rain comes to the point that people start to drown. It's, it's incredible how God uses this man of faith, this man of prayer. But when you read over in James, he was a person just like us. Okay? He was nothing special about him. So, and we see the nothing special about him when you come to chapter 19. So he sees all these amazing things happen in chapter 18. And then you come to chapter 19. In fact, let's just, just end chapter 18 like this. This is what it says at the end of chapter 18. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. If there's anything I want people to say about Mike McDaniel, the hand of the Lord is on Mike. That'd be something that I wanted to say about you. It'd be something I want to say about my family. It'd be something I want to say about my career. It'd be something I want to say about my 401k. It'd be something I want him to say about any area of my life. The hand of the Lord was on Mike's life. It was on Elijah's life. And then you come to chapter 19. And you pick it up in verse 1 and 2, and it says it like this. And Ahab told Jezebel. And all of Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets and the sword and how Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, this is what Jezebel said in her quick little text message, if you will. So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Jezebel puts a warrant out to make sure he is dead by sundown tomorrow. That's how, that's how severe it was. That's how grotesque it was. That's how in his face she was. She was hot and she was going to get even. There was a bounty on his head. And then you come to chapter... Now, I hope, before we go to the next verse. You would think 
after seeing and experiencing the hand of God of chapter 18, after experiencing the fire come down and, and light up the altar, after going toe-to-toe against 450 prophets of Baal, that this man has so much faith and is so strong in his faith that one little alpha female named Jezebel is not going to do anything to him. Wrong. Verse 3. Then he was afraid. I took in my Bible and I circled that word in red. It is an amazing thing what happens when fear moves in to anybody. When fear moves into your heart, you'll stop everything. When fear moves into your heart, it will stop you from doing things that God's calling you to do. He's saying, I'm with you. Fear clips the wings of faith. When you face fear, you're going to either going to fight it or you're going to flee from it. You're going to fight or flight. They will fight or flight. In the very next words, what does it say? He was afraid and he rose and he ran. I circled that word as well. What is going to be the response to the fear? Fear will keep you in the United States and you'll never go to the nations. Fear will keep you from tithing and giving because you have a lifestyle that you need to maintain over here and so I'm not going to have enough money so I'm going to keep it to myself. Fear will keep you from teaching the next generation across that, that door, uh, across that wall right there because you're afraid that they're going to ask you, a, a three-year-old is going to ask you a question you're not going to know the answer to. Welcome to my world. You ask me questions all the time I don't know the answers to. And sometimes I have to say, I don't know. Fear will stop you from moving forward in faith, in life, in so many ways. And exactly what, uh, what Elijah did, he ran a day's journey, which is up to 30 miles away to the southernmost town, to Beersheba, and that's where he ran for his dear life. But fear doesn't tell the whole story. And I pause here. Not to talk to anybody about fear in a degrading, demeaning kind of way. Because what Elijah was facing was one of those tools of Satan that if we allow it to set up in our heart and life, it will absolutely cripple us. But not only that, it will be cause us to spiral deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to there's no end. It will lead you into the dark valley of depression. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey. It was about 30 miles. He went to the wilderness And he came and he sat down under a broom tree. And there he asked that he might die. God, just kill me. A counselor once told me, he said, it's not uncommon for people at some point in their life to contemplate suicide. The second level of that is whenever the person who's contemplating suicide contemplates how they might take their life. That's the next level. 
Don't take any level lightly. The third level is whenever they contemplate suicide, contemplate how they will take, take their life. And then the third level, and it's a great, 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 tremendous fear level, is whenever they literally have the means of doing just that. And I'm going to speak a blanket statement across this room, and I don't know where everyone's at in this room, but I would dare say that some of you have been at one of those three stops at some point in your life. This is where Elijah is. You think, oh, men of God, men with God's hand on their life. No, that doesn't happen. (laughs) Wake up. People who pray and hear God fall down heaven, rain from the sky one moment, fire from the sky the next moment. No, that didn't happen to them. Wake up to reality. A very dark cloud enters in over his heart, enters his life, sends him down deep into this spiral pit of wanting to die, asking God to just take his life. But here, he's in good company because you know who else also asked God to take their life? Jonah in Jonah chapter 4. Numbers chapter 11, Moses asked God to take his life. Listen, great men and women of God want to die at times because of anger or because of fear and depression, because of unkept emotions. What did I talk earlier about? The voices. The voices in our head. And we have them. I want to come back and refer to them just real quickly because then I want to end today on talking about how do you hear God's voice. Because what will happen is the voices of this world will become louder and louder. Fear, fear, run, run. Uh, your life isn't worth living, you know, you are worse. You know, what happens is you start hearing that voice and the voice of God becomes more and more and more faint. And it becomes the battle of the voices. And what happens whenever you experience this, and you're going to have to just jot these down and go back and read them for yourself, is you, when you enter into depression, life feels worse than it actually is. Okay? And you can look that up in verse 4. When you fall into depression, you will feel all alone. All alone. Nobody else is out there. Elijah felt all alone, but yet you come down just a few verses later, chapter 19, verse 18. There's 7,000 men of God who have not bowed to Baal. They're just ready for somebody to step forward and lead them. But at this time, the facts and the fear, which is greater? Fear becomes greater than the facts. He doesn't even realize there's 7,000 prophets because all he sees is, I am alone and I want to die. It will exhaust you. Two different times we find where Elijah just sleeps. He wakes up and he sleeps again. Dying seems easier. And in this process of going through and listening to the fear voice and listening to these voices in his head, he makes his way to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And he goes there. Call it a personal retreat. He takes on a 40-day fast. And in that process... He hears from God. And so here's here's the question that I just want to beg is I want to try to put some meat on the bones here. Hearing God versus the 
voice of fear. Maybe it's not fear for you. Maybe it's pride. I can do anything. I can conquer anything. Maybe it's lust. Nobody's going to catch me. I'm okay. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, parent, a parental voice. Maybe it's a voice of the past. Remember we talked about all those different voices that we hear. Whatever voice is out there, you've got to be able to mute, silence, squelch that voice so that you can raise up and hear the voice of God. So now how in the midst of the screaming voice of fear in Elijah's life, How does he hear the voice of God? I think there's three avenues that God communicates to us. One is through the avenue of a gentle, practical touch. You pick up in the passage of Scripture, and as he prays, Lord, if you'll just take my life, you know, just take it. It's not worth living. Then you come to verse 5, and, uh, and he says this, and he laid down and he slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him. Many scholars believe this is a theophany, that God is showing up in the life uh, of Elijah. And he touched him. And he said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at the head of his, uh, at his head a cake baked in hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and came again a second time and touched him. Arise and eat. For the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of the food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. As you look at this passage and you... you, you, You have to be encouraged by the simple, practical provision of God of a meaningful touch on the life of a discouraged, depressed, fear-filled prophet of God. Oh, that God would set him free. There's a verse that I have clung to many times in my own pits of despair and depression and that is whenever I think God you can't I can't go another day God I want to end it all I want it all over now I want to walk away I want to run away God please I can't go another day and then he leads me to the Psalms where it says I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread it's like God if you just give me enough today, I guess I'll go another day. I'll make it another day. God can be very practical, but sometimes it takes very dark valleys of pits of despair and the realization of who we're not. And then He touches and He's present and He's real. T.C. Ryan, a pastor, who struggled with a pornography addiction for a number of years, in fact, 40 years, he says, gripped him. He would be in and out, in and out of it. And this is a statement that he said. He said, in the 40-year struggle with compulsive behavior of porn, but it was really only a taste of what awaited me. If I've learned anything about God and the ways of living in His Spirit, It is that finding Him isn't avoiding struggle. It isn't, I no longer lost. I no longer have pride. I no longer 
I no longer feel discouraged. I no longer feel fear. I no longer hear those voices. It's not, no, no, no. It's not that the voices will go away. It's finding him in the struggle. Or better, being found by him in the struggle. The struggle is where God is. His voice, his touch is the way he communicates sometimes. Through his listening ear. God has a listening ear. What I say a few what I say last week, I said relationship plus communica- communication equals intimacy. Uh, communication is not a one-way street. It's not you talking to God and God listening or you listening to God and God and, and you not talking. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a constant transaction of, of you talking to him and him talking to you and you being in relationship with him. And there's an intimacy factor. And there are times in our life when we reach the pit that maybe we don't even have words and all we have are tears or all we have is our fear and all we have is that and all we have is to offer. Or as T.C. Ryan said, all I had was my porn addiction to offer up to God and I offer it up to Him. It's in that struggle that I experience Him. It's in that struggle that He touches me. It's in that struggle that He listens to me. Verse 9 and following, it says, There He came to the cave. That was Elijah came to the cave. By the way, this cave, we don't know where the cave is on Mount Horeb. There's all kinds of caves. If you go to Israel, they're all pocketed all around the land. You just find all kinds of mountainous, wildernessy area, not kind of wooded area, but desert wilderness. And there's caves everywhere. And I'm sure that the archaeologists have tried to find this cave because there's also another cave that, that Moses encountered God on. So what was Elijah thinking? Maybe I'll go to the same cave. I, I don't know. But he goes to this cave and he finds himself in this cave. And the word of the Lord came to him. Like, okay, get your, get your chisel out. You're going to chisel it onto stone. Okay, get your pen out. You're going to write it down. God's going to, about it. The word of the Lord came. What, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And then Elijah just un, unloads. Did, did God not know why he was there? Yes, he knew why he was there. God turns into counselor here. God turns into a counselor. If you've ever gone to counseling, I recommend we all need it. Uh, you know, if you ever go to counselor, most of the time the counselor, the first thing they're going to say, so how can I help you today? Or why are you here? It's as if, it's as if God's counseling center is on Mount Horeb and he goes into this cave and he sits down with, with God and, he, and God says, okay, so you made this appointment with me. Why are you here? And then he begins to unload. I've been jealous for you, Lord, Lord of hosts, for the people of Israel. They've forsaken the covenant. They've thrown down the altars. They've killed the prophets uh, with the sword. And and I, even I, am only left. See, hear the loneliness of his voice. They seek my life to take it. I I just want to hang on the phrase, why are you here? Because here's the value of that is it forces you to put into words the pain of your heart, the fear of your life, the lust, the voices of the past. It forces you to put into words what's going on deep inside you. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. 
And there's all kinds of verses, and I'm just going to read two of them. Psalm 55, verse 22, where it says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. And I just, I just hang on that last phrase. He will sustain you. The problem is we have a hard time casting. It's kind of like going fishing. We cast it out there, but we reel it back. We cast it out there, but we reel it back. God, I need your help with this, but I need it back because I'm not secure enough in you. Cast it out there, but I can't see you. Cast it out there, but I, but, I, but I don't know what to do with it. Cast it out, but I can't, I can't hear from you, God. Stop it. Let him sustain you. Another verse, First Peter in the New Testament, speaking of Jesus, he says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. through a practical touch, through a soft, through a, through a listening ear, and finally, through a soft, calming whisper is how God speaks. So for 40 days, he's been fasting. He's made his way. I don't know how long it took him to get from Beersheba to, to, um, to Mount Horeb, but he has not been eating. He has been fasting and praying just as Jesus did, fasting and praying in the wilderness. And God speaks. He speaks in a very subtle way, the way he speaks 90% of the time to me. Verse 11 and following, it says it like this. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed in a great strong wind. So he's trying to show him how he's going to speak toward the mountains call it a tornado, call it, uh, I, I don't know what, but it was enough to rip rock from rock and trees from the sides of the hill and pieces of rock before the Lord. And, and But the Lord was not in the wind. Boy, it would be great for him to be in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, and, a, and, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, in a fire, the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. The King James Version puts it like that, the still small voice of God. Still small voice of God. Literally in the, in the Hebrew, it means a quiet breath. Quiet breath. Now, can God speak in fire? Absolutely. He did it with Moses. Can, 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 can God speak in, 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 in the wind? Yes, he did it in, in Job, with Job, in Job 26. Can, can God speak with fire uh, and, and wind? Yes, he did it both in, in, in the book of Acts chapter 2. He can speak in those, those flamboyant ways, but, 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 but most of the time, it's a whisper. It's a whisper. Dallas Willard talked about the, the quality of God's voice. He says there's a weight to God's voice. You'll be able to distinguish it by the weightiness of it. There's a density. There's a rightness about it. Whenever you hear it, it's one of those seven voices in your head, but it'll be that voice that you'll just hear it and there will be a density about it. There's a power in his voice. There's a confidence that, yes, that's the voice of God. I am hearing you now, God. Perhaps the rough uh, distinction uh, is this. uh, E. Stanley Jones said it like this. The voice of the subconscious argues with you, okay? You'll be arguing with yourself. Tries to convince you 
But the inner voice of God does not argue. Does not try to convince you. It just speaks. It's self-authenticating. It has the feel of the voice of God within it. I pray to God you know that voice. There's a, there's a qualitative element to it. Okay, if you're holding a rhinestone in one hand, you might think it's a very valuable stone, but you take a diamond next to that, you'll know, oh my goodness, there's, I will not settle for a rhinestone whenever I can have a diamond. The voice of God is a diamond. There's the content of that voice. That voice will never contradict its character. The character, that being of God, He'll never ask you to do anything outside of the character of God. I'm not going to have time to develop these in any sort of way because if you're going through experiencing God, you're going to get days of these. But let me give you a quick flyover. If you're a God whisperer, then this will be a part of your life. You'll discern the Holy Spirit. You'll discern the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? You will discern it. You'll know it. You'll hear it. It will not argue with itself. It will, not be, it will be greater than your, than, your, than your subconscious, okay? It's the secret sauce, I promise you this, of hearing the voice of God. Is the Holy Spirit of God, okay? Everything else I'm going to say after this is subject to, okay, falls under that. The Holy Spirit of God will speak through these other elements, Jesus said that when I go away, I'm going to send a counselor to us in John chapter 14, verse 26. The Holy Spirit, the Father, will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you everything I've told you. You want to know God's voice? You've got to have the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, things are going to become a little clearer to you, a lot clearer to you. 1 Corinthians 2, 8 and 9. Eye has not seen nor ears heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. So listen, you're not going to do this on your own. It's not going to happen on your own wisdom. It's not going to happen in your own might. The things which God has prepared for those who love Him. It comes back to love relationship. But God has revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit. If you're a God whisperer, you will discern the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, you will ingest the Word of God. Okay? I want you to read a verse with me. First, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Read it with me. All Scripture, listen, read it with me. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Now, when you look at that, you see what everything that this book is about. This is one of the things that, that God does. He's, he speaks to us through this book. He helps us to know what is right, okay? He, he teaches us. He helps us to know what is wrong. He's rebuking us. He helps us to know how to get right again by correcting us through this book. He helps to train us in how to stay right by showing us the path of righteousness through these words, okay? understanding that this word is God-breathed, okay? He spoke it into the hearts of the writers, and we have a copy of it. You have a copy of it. This is the value of this book. If you're not in it, then you're disconnecting yourself from the voice of God. Listen, if God exhaled this book, it is there for us 
to inhale. God exhaled this book so that we might inhale this book. One guy took him literally. David Platt was telling a story recently and a message I heard about a man, a missionary. He was on the field and he uh, was uh, sharing with uh, uh, somebody and he, he was sharing with this guy. And that guy looks at the papers of the Bible. He does that kind of thing to him. He says, uh, well, those, those are good pages. I could roll cigarettes with those pages. And the missionaries tried to share with him the gospel. And, and, and it's a little New Testament. And he's, he says, okay, i tell you what. I'll give you my little New Testament. <laughs> if you so choose to smoke it up, then feel free to smoke it up. But you don't smoke it up until you've read it first. And he, he did. He, he gave him the, the New Testament Bible and he, he took it. And months later, he, the missionary runs back into him again. And he said, yeah, I did. I, I've, been reading the, I've been reading the scriptures. And he said, and I smoked my way through Matthew. And uh, literally, is what he said. I smoked my way through Matthew. I smoked my way through Mark. I smoked my way through Luke. And I got to John chapter 3. And I got to John chapter 3 and verse 16. And then it all made sense. And I'm now a follower of Jesus. And by the way, Platt goes on to say, he's now also training to be a pastor. Listen, you can inhale this book, but that's not exactly what I was talking about. (laughs) But if it works for you, if it's in your pipe, smoke it. All right? God speaks to us and we will hear him as we ingest his word as we discern His Spirit, but also as we look for God in our circumstances. Don't look at your circumstances. Big, 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 big difference. Look for God in your circumstances. Too many people use their circumstances to say, God said this because there was a closed door. God said this because it was an open door. Remember, you'll get a purple van if that's what happens, if you were here last week. Uh, Listen. The circumstances God will use to help steer. I don't ever use the circumstances to determine God's voice. I use the circumstances to validate God's voice. Okay? Hope that makes sense. If you're a God whisperer, you will seek the counsel of godly people within your church. Long sentence. But you will seek the counsel of godly people within your church. I'm not adding this on for anything and I'm not trying to get more emails or more phone calls or more appointments because it's not just me. It could be any godly person. There is victory comes through many counselors, Proverbs says. All right? God used people in the book of Acts that when they spoke, their hearts were changed, pricked, pierced, penetrated, The Word of God has that. And whenever godly people are speaking at lives, can see amazing transformation. What's God saying to you right now? Maybe it's the pain of the moment, the pain the fear that you're going through right now that you can't hear anything.
Revelation 21, 3 and 4, and I'll finish with this. Because it's one of the last times you find the word voice in the scriptures. You find it in Revelation. Right at the throne of Jesus. This beautiful statement. And the voice, and they heard a loud voice, not a soft, gentle whisper, from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. God wants to be with us. He wants to be in community with us, family with us, connection with us. He wants to dwell with us. Yes, and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. It starts and ends with relationship. If you don't have that relationship, you'll not know the dwelling, you'll not know the spirit, you'll not hear his voice. It'll be all the other voices that you'll hear, but you will not distinguish the voice of God. And then what does God do? but he wipes away the tears from our eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more pain. The older things are passed away. Depression is gone. Suicidal thoughts are finished. Fear is gone. Even in the life of an Elijah. Would you bow your heads with me? What is the gentle whisper of God saying to you right this minute? Maybe it was a verse that still is echoing in the corridor of your mind. I pray to God that you know him as your sure foundation, your cornerstone on which everything is built and which you will dwell forever with him forever. If you do not know him today, I pray that your first words to him would be, Jesus, I give myself to you. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I'm going to pray. And this is your time. You can go back and post a statement that God has said to you today. You might want to come and just pray at the front. You, you may need to sit back down. Father God, may we hear your voice. Some have heard the voice of fear all week long. Fear, 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 and I get it. Depression, I get it. Men of God like Moses, Jonah, Elijah have wanted to die. I get it. But I thank you through your gentle, practical touch, through your listening ear, through your still, small voice, You're still God. And you're still talking. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening.